Welcome to the Batman Tasticast, celebrating the 30th anniversary of the greatest animated television series of all time, Batman the Animated Series. Our podcast offers a deep dive into each episode and a full series retrospective from two nerds who really like Batman. Seated across the table from me, he's always trying to quack me up with all his jokes. Oh. Well, two can play at that game. Oh, that's good. It's Mike Staub. And across the table from me, he is an emperor penguin of a host <laughs> and co-host, Mr. Jordan Hugh. Wow. Well, here we are. Birds of a feather. They flock together. Birds of a feather. It feels, though this is not true, this feels like an achievement to get to this episode. Yes. I don't know why. This is not a series marker. It's not no. an almost got him no. or perchance the dream. But Birds of a Feather feels like a series marker because <laughs> it's really the first Penguin episode. It's the first real Penguin episode that yes. isn't like Junior Detective Squad versus Penguin. Exactly. Like, this is the Penguin in his truest form. Right. Um, so, of course, we've discussed many times on the show, we exist in the shadow of the Tim Burton films. Dun, 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 dun. And when this series starts, Batman Returns is incredibly fresh. It's yeah. just come out that yeah. summer, and yeah. the animated series premieres in the fall. Yeah. So they try to front load the series with a lot of Catwoman episodes. You'll notice that all of her stuff gets pushed forward, mm -hmm. or rather it gets pushed up to, yeah. to a sooner release. But they don't do that with the Penguin. No. On the contrary, they actually pushed all his stuff back. Which is weird. We should discuss why this is the case. Um, and Mike, I, I'm pretty sure you're aware of this exact scenario, but this is really for the benefit of the listeners. Parents were not happy with Batman Returns. They didn't like the Penguin. They didn't like the Penguin. They didn't like the movie really at all. Well, we saw that video from whatever that talk show oh, yes. was with Mike, the kid. Do, do you want to describe oh, this? Oh, my God. Yeah. So, th first of all, listen, I don't, I don't condone um, bullying. I don't think bullying yes, is you right. Do. You love bullying. I don't like bullying. Oh, okay. I really I was bullied like crazy as a kid. But and now like, you're a bully as an adult. That's right. That's how uh, it happens. All the nerds. Fear leads to anger. Uh, anger leads to all hate. All the nerds, so many nerds in my life have just turned into bullies. Yes. Because they're like, people make fun of me and, and now they're stupid. I'm going to make fun of them. It's like, all right. How many Batman villains are like that? There's a lot. All of them. Uh, no, one of what them happened? This one. What happened with So this there's video? this, I don't know what, I don't know. I don't know if it was like Donahue or... Sally Jesse Raphael. It was one of those shows. One of them. One of those. Yeah. One like, of them. One of them. One of those afternoon talk shows that moms would get all like their bad news from that wasn't legitimate or or researched or anything, and 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 uh, it was that type of audience in the '90s, and it wasn't Oprah, even though Oprah was pretty guilty of a lot of the same stuff. Yes, for sure. It was definitely a trashier show than Oprah. It's like a clickbait of its day. Yeah, yeah. Pretty much it was the headline journalism of its day. Right. It's like, we've heard some things. So let's just fabricate stories. Right. So there, there's a, a, a short video on the internet. You can probably search it out. It's a kid on this talk show on the stage with his parents. I don't know if it was a mother or father. And it's all about how they all hate Batman Returns. Right. And the one kid's like, he's talking, he's very well-spoken, very um, <clears throat> coached, as yeah. if this was not written by him, this was written Surely for him a, by someone else. Surely a young Republican. Yes, yeah, yes. yeah, absolutely. Well, at the time, who knows? <laughs> well, the, actually, that's true, actually. Yeah. The, the, Democra now, the Democrats were the cancellation expert at the time, Yeah, I think. who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Who knows what, what party this person is? It was is very Tipper Gore. Yes, right? yeah. very that. Well, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, he's up on the stage talking to... Um, talking to the audience about how he's mad that the new Batman movie is so violent and scary and all these things. And he's like, you know, these movies are supposed to be made for children and they're really leaving us behind and forgetting it. All right. First of all, this kid's probably 12, 13. This Every kid, this kid sucks. He does. Every other kid in the audience <laughs> is looking at him like, man, I can't wait to take all this kid's lunch money. And I'm sitting at home watching it now being like, if I was six... When Batman Returns came out, I was what six or six years old. If I was six, seeing this, I'd be like, "Yo, why is this kid ruining it for everyone?" Batman right. Returns is fine. Yes, let um, the parents hate it. Who cares? I'm gonna briefly go on their side, even though I disagree with them vehemently. To say, I see where the marketing got confused. Yes, because they marketed the movie like, "Oh, it's Batman Returns," and McDonald's came out with a whole line of Happy Meal toys for that movie. <laughs> okay. Um, it's Batman, it's Catwoman, it's the Penguin, and maybe, 
again, I can't really remember. I was too young. Maybe that movie was marketed to be lighter than what it is. Probably was. Because Batman Returns is actually somehow darker than Batman 89. Yeah. Um, but also, and now to hop back on our side, which I am on, um, did you fucking asshole see Batman 89? Mm-hmm. And you thought it would be okay to take your yeah. children to a sequel to that film? Yeah. Like, you know? Batman 89's... Like, yes, it's got a little bit of camp and it's got all that stuff, but it's also super dark. It's not kid-friendly at no. all. So you thought, what, they made a kid-friendly sequel to that film? I don't With think, all the same people working on it? I don't think any of the original Batman movies are really kid-friendly. Oh, you mean just between the first one and Returns? Well, no, all four of them. Batman Forever is fine. I don't think Batman Forever is kid-friendly. I don't think it's as... I don't think it's as... It's maybe slightly more kid-friendly than than Batman 89, but it's still... I, I, I don't disagree yeah. with you. It's adult. But yeah. uh, I would say Batman Returns is almost a soft R. Yeah. It's yeah. it's yeah. pretty rough. That could be an R-rated movie, and yeah. it's not... Yeah, it wouldn't... Yeah. I think it would actually be probably even better if it was rated R. I agree. Well, it was. it's really close to it. Yeah. But anyway, back to Batman the Animated Series. They pushed the Penguin back in the show for a couple of reasons, but mostly relating to what we've been discussing... Of all the issues people had with Batman Returns, the take on the Penguin in Batman Returns is, holy fuck. I mean, it's amazing. It's an incredible performance from DeVito, and I love the concept from Burton. But it's a really dark, nasty take on this character who had never been portrayed that way before. Ever. Ever. Penguin of old, in the comics, he was always, like, gentlemanly, kind of a fuddy-duddy, right? And, yeah, bird-obsessed. That was his thing. Burgess Meredith evolved the character in the 66 to also be, like, a little bit manic. And it's really a very fun, really theatrical cartoon performance. And that kind of stuck in the, you know, 70s, 80s cartoons, like when Penguin would occasionally appear in a Batman cartoon. Uh, So when we come back into the animated series in 92 and on, the Penguin is in a tough spot. And Bruce Timm has kind of a hard job because it's like, okay, we exist in the shadow of the Tim Burton film but we do, people don't want that. No. So we have to kind of meet the character halfway. Because he looks like the Danny DeVito version. 100%. Yeah. So this is kind of where we get, uh, you know, this idea that maybe the character was pushed back or a little bit hidden. Yeah, Paul Williams doing the voice on the character. I think it's a great voice performance. Paul Williams is terrific. He's terrific. Uh, but it is yeah. a voice performance for the original mode of the character. Mm-hmm. This is not acknowledging DeVito at all. Yeah, no, not at all. This is... Paul Williams is really kind of doing something in line with comic book and Burgess Meredith. Yeah. It's kind of in, in line there. I um, agree. I don't know if, ever, if everyone out there knows like just how expansive Paul Williams' career is. No, I, I don't know so, that people so, know that commonly. Yeah, so you wanna... Paul, yeah. So Paul Williams, for those of you who don't know, is mostly known as a musician and a songwriter. Mm-hmm. Uh, the guy's unbelievable. Like mm-hmm. he wrote pretty much everything from like the original Muppet movies is him. Rainbow mm-hmm. Connection is him. Um, a bunch of those songs are him. Moving right along, footloose and fans. That's Paul Williams. Um, but it's not just that. He's been a producer and a writer and a prolific songwriter for his for decades. Mm-hmm. Um, most recently, people would know him for working heavily on uh, Daft Punk's Random Access Memories. He was involved in that. And he actually, I think, accepted their Grammy for them for Album of the Year. Um, so Paul Williams is a really, um, really kind of prolific songwriter. And also, he's done some acting. Uh, I think the thing I remember him for most recently is Baby Driver. He's the butcher. Oh, okay. Baby Driver. Yeah, gotcha, yeah, yeah, gotcha. yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that what his name? The Butcher? Is that what they call him? I don't remember. Yeah, so there's a scene in Baby Driver where they I don't they like go to... that movie that much. Oh, well. There's a scene in Baby Driver where they go to get a bunch of guns. Yes. And he's the guy who sells them the guns. But okay. he's been in movies forever. I mean, he's in the Muppet movies, too. Right. So, um, yeah, uh, the guy's got a great career, and uh, he does a great job here. Clearly someone who probably enjoyed the 66 version of The Penguin. Sure. And he's got a great voice for yeah. voice acting as well. Um, yeah, so as I said, they, they did push this back quite a bit. This was production order 47. It's broadcast 52, Yes, uh, which is pretty late. And if you're just looking at the series as a whole, it's unusual that we would really earnestly debut the penguin so late because he has appeared prior to this yeah but this is his first like established appearance yeah we have seen him he was the primary antagonist and i've got batman in my basement but totally not the focus of that episode nope. actually more of a cameo and is a total buffoon in that yeah. episode yeah. 
He has significant appearances in The Strange Secret of Bruce Wayne yes. and in Almost Got Him. Mm-hmm. And I think we maybe see him one or two other times, but in a very minor well, capacity. We saw him briefly in, I believe it's one of the Scarecrow-related episodes okay. where like, he, Batman's rogue gallery just kind of comes out of the ground. That sounds totally yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. he's around, but this is the episode that actually establishes him. It just comes incredibly late in the series. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And again, I think if you're a smart guy like Bruce Tim, I think you're like, okay, we had to kind of like glue some pieces together. Just push those Penguin episodes like yeah. back. We're going to yeah. really soft load this in, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, you know, so uh, soft launch, I believe, yes. is the, the common, the, the current way to phrase that. Soft launch of the Penguin in Birds of a Feather. Um, Mike, what are your initial thoughts on this episode? I actually really enjoyed it. I was surprised because... You know, I was thinking of Penguin. I was like, oh, is this another like bird-related caper? <laughs> right. And because everything he's done so far has been bird-related. Uh, this one, not really. Now, he makes a bunch of bird puns and he does some things that involve bird imagery. But like, this isn't a bird thing. Mm. I actually think this episode parallels Mad as a Hatter very well. I think okay. the Penguin yeah. in this episode is very similar to Jervis Tetch in Mad as a Hatter. Mm-hmm. He's got a similar kind like of story. Like the freak trying to take out the beautiful woman, it's like that. Not just that, but that's part of it. It's about this freak who is trying so hard. Freak, you know, I use that word lovingly. It's this freak outcast. No, we love the freaks. Yeah. We love the freaks. Uh, obviously. Obviously. Freak outcast weirdo who... It's, it's almost sad because when he leaves prison, he's expecting this limo to come pick him up. Yeah. When he shows up to wherever the Batman rogues hang out, he expects everyone's waiting for him to show up and the place is empty, infested with rats, and it's all been covered <laughs> with, with, with tarps. Right. Penguin so badly wants to be accepted by high society. He wants to be accepted by society in general. And the entire episode, he's rejected. And... Yeah, the, him taking out the, the girl and, and, and all that stuff is, is also very similar to uh, Mad Hatter to a degree. He's not obsessive like Mad Hatter is over this one girl. Mm-hmm. but Right, know, actually, Veronica Vreeland could be anybody, could be anybody. to him. Yeah. yeah, to him. It doesn't really matter. It's just someone showing, you know, spending time with him. Um, and when you find out it's kind of a trick and it's kind of mean, well, Alice isn't mean in her episode. The, no, she's not at all. She's no. not a problem. Alice is not mean at all. But it, uh, you do kind of feel for the penguin a little bit because it's just like he's just trying to like sort his life out. Well, and... this is another episode where these people using yeah. him are really yeah. the villains, mm-hmm. even though Penguin does some pretty bad shit in this mm-hmm. episode. Yeah, that's also kind of similar to like um, if you're not if you're so smart, why aren't you rich? Sure, yep. it's kind of like that. It's where... like the, the the big rich people yeah. doing shitty things, yeah, 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 right? Yeah. And it's funny because I was watching the episode, and there's a scene later in the episode where I forget her. Her, like, sidekick. Pierce. Um, Pierce, who's just awful. He's, like, sitting in the balcony at the opera laughing at uh, Oswald Cobblepot trying to impress um, Veronica and trying to impress her by, like, singing and taking her to the opera, and he's just laughing at her, <laughs> yeah. and which is disgusting. And Bruce is there, and he sees everything. Mm-hmm. And I got this moment where, like, I feel like Bruce is, like... All right, for those of you, this is a this is a strange sidebar. Bruce, in this episode, with his relationship to the other power elite wealthy of Gotham, he's like, he's like the he's like when James P. Sullivan in in um, Monsters University oh, okay. leaves his fraternity and goes and hangs out with the the nerdy the nerdy guys. <laughs> Like, that's it. It's like he hates his own people. What's the name of the nerd frat in that movie? Oh, I forget. They had a cute name. Hold on. I like the movie, too, actually. Uzma Kappa? Uzma Kappa. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, so the frat name for that is Uzma Kappa. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, really, really good stuff. Uh, You know what? Monsters University, underrated. It is underrated. Underrated. It's pretty good. Underrated movie, man. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. For, like, a late sequel, it's a good movie. Yeah, it's really enjoyable. Like... When Pixar has pretty much spent the last 10 years keeping people our age emotionally hostage, uh, <laughs> it's nice to sit down and watch Monsters University. It's just a fun time. It's a lighter film. It's and like, also the scare games are fun. Yeah, the scare games are fun. The frat parties are good. Yeah. I like that I like that the one older frat guy ends up dating the mom. Like yep. I think it's just a good movie. Mature student. Yeah. Excuse me. You're right. <laughs> You're right. But um, I do feel like Batman hates his own. Yeah. Like he is disgusted by how the other people treat 
how the other wealthy treat those who they deem lesser than 100 percent. the series takes the wealthy to task pretty often yeah. and this episode is no exception um mm-hmm. i was actually thinking this episode reminded me a lot of joker's wild oh yeah which we watched a lot more recently um i actually like your comparison to mad as a hatter a little better i think emotionally that is more true mm-hmm. but i just mean in terms of plot joker's wild is another episode where a big rich snot in yeah. this case a guy named cameron kaiser who's kind of yeah. a, a donald trump parallel um, baits Joker on purpose, yeah. basically for his own scheme, his own ends. Yeah. And uh, Veronica Vreeland and um, uh, Pierce Chapman do the same thing here where they think yeah. like, oh, the Penguin is a party favor. He's not a fucking party favor, guys. He's going to kill you. Yeah, right? he's a human um, being. Yeah. And there is this kind of cool ongoing indictment of the rich that um, they think they're immortal. Yeah. They think everyone is their plaything. Yeah. And the series really scolds them for it. Yeah. It really doesn't let them off the hook. And Batman, this Batman and Bruce Wayne dislikes it the most. Now, to be... F- also, though, Bruce Wayne also succumbs to this, too, a little bit, because he just views the Penguin as a criminal. Right. When the Penguin doesn't do, doesn't do anything of a criminal nature in this episode until he realizes he's a he's a joke. Yeah. Until he realizes he's been set up and that's when he snaps. Right. So like even Batman's kind of pushing him. I know why you're here. I know what you're doing. It's like no you don't. It's like there's a really good there's a really good issue of Spider-Man where Spider-Man is at the cemetery and he sees that Rhino's there. Mhm. And Spider-Man it's like, why is the rhino here? He's clearly starting trouble. Spider-Man like womps on him and beats him up. And then the rhino like completely eviscerates him. And there's a flashback in there where I think Spider-Man was fighting the Hulk at some point and Captain America saved him because Spider-Man was going to get crushed and Captain was able to block the sh- his punch with the shield. And, um, and Cap's not there because he's dead. This is after Cap had died. And rhino womps on him and then Spider-Man turns around. He finds out the rhino's like, can't you just leave me alone? And he's like, what's... And he was, the rhino was there because he was like mourning over his dead mother's like grave. Yeah. And, you know, you don't always get to see that side of the superhero because the superhero... And I like when they do that because they can be wrong. You the like super, when they fuck up, yeah. Well, yeah, because it makes them human, right? Like Batman looking at Penguin and just seeing a criminal yeah. is uh, hideous. It's a really bad view because Penguin seems like he actually has been reformed. And unusual for Batman because this Batman is usually a little more compassionate. Yes. And he's even still learning that lesson in this episode, mm-hmm. which is nice. He has a couple scenes in this episode where Batman's like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. You know, then he leaves. You know, yeah. it's, Batman gets that way with some characters sometimes. Like, it's, yeah. he just assumes they're up to no good. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Okay. Well... I do want to mention before we go on, just touching on a couple of topics. Uh, the first I want to say is that um, <laughs> if you're looking at the broadcast order for this, this is 52, which means this splits Robin's Reckoning Part Why One and Two in broadcast. That? Why did they do um, that? Because they don't care. <laughs> e- either that, or <laughs> they, they do it because this was shown on a day that was mathematically proven to get lower ratings. Maybe. That's the only thing that makes sense. Maybe it was a holiday. Maybe more people watch on Mondays and Wednesdays than they do on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Yeah. So to be clear, Robin's Reckoning Part 1, one of the best episodes of the series, aired. You got home from school the next day to watch Robin's Reckoning Part 2 and you were instead treated to birds of a feather. Yeah. And then hopefully your little kid brain held on to whatever you saw in Part 1 of Robin's Reckoning. You came back the next day for Part 2. Yeah, not good. That's really tough. Yep. Um, I... Already mentioned this, but this is a rather late episode to establish a character like the Penguin, even though he's previously appeared. It does remind me of how long they held on to Edward Nygma, yeah. Riddler, before they finally premiere him in If You're So Smart, Why Aren't You Rich? And they gave him two episodes really close to each other. They did, because you're actually covering the next Riddler episode next week. What is reality? Which... Right. Mm. Not as good. Still pretty good. It's, it's okay. Not as good, still pretty good is yeah. where I'm at with what is reality. Yeah. Um, and then we did chat about Batman Returns. I do want to chat. We have kind of a guest write-in yeah. this week. Oh, cool. Um, our good friend Larry Brenner. Larry! Who, um, we love Larry. Larry's, Larry's like great. super, super smart and often shares with us his insight on the series. And we will have Larry on this show at some oh, point. Oh, absolutely. We just have to uh, find the time. Right. But we're just getting little, little tidbits from uh, Larry for now. Uh, Larry had some thoughts on Veronica Vreeland as a character. Now, um, just before I even get into what he wrote... Veronica Vreeland, who is the uh, uh, sort of the female lead in this episode, she's a character that is, at least to my knowledge, animated series exclusive, mm-hmm. and she recurs multiple times. Yes, 
Um, so I'm just going to share a short version of Larry's thoughts. I'm paraphrasing Larry, um, and Larry, I hope I represent you correctly. Um, and Larry actually had contacted us months ago to say like, hey, when you're doing Birds of Feather, just check in with me. I have some thoughts on Veronica Freeland. Um, Larry says that he thinks that he thinks that Veronica is a foil for Bruce, who he might have been if his life was not uh, interrupted by tragedy. Yeah. But also, if you think of Gotham as an ecosystem and accept the premise that the villains created Batman in some way and not the other way around, uh, meaning could you accept that premise? Larry thinks there's a world in which Veronica might have been the stuff to might have had the stuff to become Batman. She's adventurous. Uh, we later hear she's going on safaris, seeking excitement in her life, and she finds herself gravitating towards the villains, not just Penguin, but all of them. Yeah. They fascinate her, and she has compassion for them. Um, and Larry also mentioned she he digs that she never really makes a play for Bruce. Uh, there's something about the two of them that almost feels like siblings, even though they're often uh, apparently romantically tied in the series. So. Um, thank you, Larry, for your thoughts. Yeah, no, it's She's really an cool. interesting character. Yeah, she is. Um, and she makes herself stand out not as just another beautiful woman in this episode because you know, the whole point, what we'll come to at the end of this episode, is that, oh, she she ended up seeing him as a person, seeing yeah. the penguin as yeah, a person. Yeah, 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 and yeah. she ended up kind of liking him. Maybe yeah. not romantically, but she ended up liking the she person. Had, she had a good time. Yeah, she did. Yeah, they had a good time together. So that was cool. Yeah, um, no, I actually think I, 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 I like that take because she... Um, she is a very interesting, intriguing character. Yeah, they don't, they just, you know, she's adventurous um, and all these other things, but she is a bit of a, so she's someone who has a um, desire to be like the center of attention. Yeah. That's something Bruce Wayne doesn't have. Right. But she has a heart. Yes, she right. does have a heart. So interesting character. Very, um, very interesting. A little bit of IMDb trivia coming into this episode. There's actually quite a bit. Um, so the opera that Penguin and Vreeland attend is Pagliacci about a clownish figure who finds out he was being deceived. This mirrors the episode's Ooh. main plot. And of course, uh, not only is Pagliacci just a well-known story and a well-known opera, um, it is also something that is uh, has significance in comic books. Pagliacci is brought up in Batman multiple times, but then of course we would also think of Watchmen. Right? I am Pagliacci. Yeah, right. The Pagliacci bit, uh, you know, big joke, everybody I laugh, laugh roll snare drum yeah. curtain, right? We can't, yeah. can't forget that. Yeah. Uh, the penguin, newly freed from prison, catches a bus. In the background of this scene sits a thin white girl with short black hair. This is Hopi, one of the main characters from the cult comic book Love and Rockets. Uh, the man who drew the scene as a storyboard, Ronnie Del Carmen, is a devoted fan of the comic and put her in as a shout-out to fellow fans. That's cool. I didn't know this character. No, either did I. But once I looked up what Hopi looks like, she's yeah. now, you cannot miss her on that bus. So I like when they do stuff like pretty that. Pretty cool cameo. Yeah, I like it too. Um, the penguin squawks out a grating accompaniment of Pagliacci. Uh, he sings during the opera. His voice actor, Paul Williams, as Mike mentioned earlier, is an acclaimed singer-songwriter mm -hmm. with a notably smooth, melodious voice. Yeah. Um, so it is funny that he is doing uh, a bit where he can't sing. Uh, purposely singing poorly is hard. Yeah. It's hard to purposely sing out of tune. If if like that's not an easy thing to do, right? When you're a good singer, that takes that takes work. So like I I have to you know I have to give the guy credit there for because I'm listening to that and he's singing. I'm like oh yeah he sounds terrible. I'm like oh that's that's not easy. Paul Williams is doing a good job. It's like that one role in a chorus line, right? Where that one girl has right, to sing the one that's married to the guy. Yeah yeah she has to sing terribly for, yeah. um for for like an entire song. Oh no the whole show right? She's oh well she has a song where she purposely sings bad. Yeah the two the couple has a song where yeah. she can't sing. The husband is Al. I can't remember her name. Yeah for I don't some remember. Reason. Yeah. No, that's all right. Yeah, whatever. F theater fans yelling at us yeah, right yeah, now. Yeah. Um, this is Laren Bright's last episode as the story editor. Oh, uh, Mr. Mr. Bright served on pretty much every episode of this series as story mm -hmm. editor. So, um, you know, I, I guess he departed for maybe other projects, but um, we appreciated his work. Thank yeah, you, thank Mr. Bright. You, thank you. Thank you very, very much, Mr. Bright. And uh, last, we already covered this, but this is the first appearance, certainly not the last appearance, of the cartoon-exclusive character Veronica Vreeland. Do, 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 do. Nice. All right. Mike, I think it's time to hop into the episode. I'm ready. All right. Season one, episode 47, Birds of a Feather. Theme song and title card, very unusual title yeah. card. It is done kind of this two-tone geometric art style. It's weird. Uh, and it is a reference indeed to Pagliacci on stage brandishing a knife while a spotlight uh, beams down on him like a perfect, tri perfect triangle spotlight because yeah. it's all geometric shapes. Uh, 
the title card wins major points for me because, um, you know, obviously we start with the Pagliacci reference. So you, the viewers like have it in your, you have it in your mind as you're going forward, but also Pagliacci kind of looks a little like the penguin in the art. And then on top of all that, this is a kid show and it's a really deep fucking title card. It's like, oh yeah, this, uh, what's the target age group for the show? I eh, like five to 10 year old boys. Great. What about a Pagliacci title card? I'm thinking geometric shape design, like early 20th century. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, perfect. Boys love little boys love that. They're big fans of Pagliacci. Big fans I, of that. I like in Hey Arnold the the episode of Hey Arnold where they go to the opera to see Carmen. Arnold <laughs> Wait, falls that's real. Asleep. That really happens. Yeah, it's a yeah. real episode. Arnold goes to sleep during Carmen, and in his dream, he reinserts like all his friends and all the kids from right, the school which is awesome. into Carmen, which is great. But Harold is Pagliacci. Oh, okay. Which is great. great. And like he has nothing to do with any of that other stuff, but like <laughs> he comes out on stage at some point and does the meh, 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 does the whole Pagliacci thing, but like with the Harold voice. Perfect. Really, really good stuff. You know, that's uh that's that's nerdy for you. Listen, these these cartoons used to go deep. Like, listen, cartoons always used to go deep, man. You go back to the old Looney Tunes stuff, they're you know why? filled with beautiful people, classical music. I think this is still true. Deep people make cartoons. Yeah. And so you can't you can't keep high art out of art. Yeah. I like to call it heart. Heart. Nice. Yeah. But H-A-R-T. Very good. Not H-E-A-R-T. Like the band. Oh, no. The band is H-E-A-R-T. This episode is directed by Frank Power. Powerhouse. And story by Chuck Menville. Teleplay by Bryn Stevens. Brynny. We open on the Penguin amidst a museum heist. Of course. He kisses the stolen painting in his hands. It's birds. Of course. Ah, Audubon. My personal favorite. Birds. In the background, his goons are looting the place. They got the curator tied up. The penguin tries to console him by saying at least he's being ransacked by a man with impeccable tastes. As one of the penguin's goons wastes time by admiring art instead of stealing it, and another reprimands him, a batarang pins their hands to the wall. Two days out of prison, and you're back to your old games, huh, penguin? Batman emerges from the shadows. And Penguin lets fly fucking hail of bullets yeah, from dude. the machine gun umbrella. And then a series of smoke pellets in his attempt to get away. Penguin, uh, I said this before in one of our episodes. Penguin, despite the fact that he's very jolly and very smart, he is a cold killer. Penguin will If this were not, you, dude. Uh, not a show for children, Penguin will shoot you in the face. Yeah. Well, what I like about Penguin, and this episode really paints that about the Penguin. Penguin is a character that is completely and totally in every sense of the word underestimated yeah penguin is way more capable than any of the other villains think way more capable than pretty much everyone on the show thinks except for batman except batman i was just gonna say that batman, batman knows, knows exactly how bad batman is. knows yeah. the penguin because the penguin uses gadgets the penguin has he's slippery man he's like a penguin very yeah mm, yeah absolutely um so yeah, Penguin's trying to get away. He does, for a big guy, he does one hell of a slide down the museum's banister. Batman follows. There's more gunshots. And then Mike, as as classically is done, uh, Batman drops the chandelier on him. Yep. It's a great funny moment. I think if you're a fat villain, yes. you will eventually have a chandelier dropped on you. It has to happen. It's, it's just, just it's, uh, part, it's part of the way things are done. Right. I think Rupert Thorne was the last one we yeah. saw this happen to. But yeah. this, any, if you're like an overweight villain at all, at, at some point in your time, a chandelier will fall on you. Why chandelier? Because it's a big circle. Wow. That's it. Yeah. Well, this is a, you know, that's a bit of Robin Hood, right? Just yeah. Like you, you cut the chandelier rope and you, you ride the rope up because the chandelier falls right, on the baby. bad guy. One of the best, one it's of my just, you know, favorite Cards Against Humanity cards. <laughs> Cutting the, right. rope, cutting the rope to drop the chandelier. No, cutting down the chandelier and riding the rope up yeah. is one of my favorites. Very good. It's very specific. We have a newspaper transition caged again. <laughs> Following his capture, we cut to the penguin back in jail. Notice that they put the penguin in Stonegate rather than well, Arkham. Penguin's not crazy. It's not crazy, right? He's, He's just very, a very sane. Right. He goes to the place for the criminally sane. That's right. Yeah, imagine if... If Pen Penguin is, not only is Penguin sane, Penguin's smart, he's very aware, he's all these things. Imagine Penguin in Arkham, he would lose his mind. He would actually become insane. Yeah, yeah. he would probably turn into a Penguin man. Yeah, he can't deal with what Joker puts out yeah, every, every day. every day. Come on. I wonder what it's like being in Arkham with the Joker at the same time. Very annoying. It's got to be so annoying. Yeah. It's like, I just want to, I just want to, I want to get through a day, dude. I just want to get through a day. <laughs> 
You know, uh, you, got, you got Harvey Dent swinging coins all over the oh, place. Oh, no, the you rest of them crazy are all scarecrow. fucking batshit crazy. Yeah. Scarecrow like, ah, it's fear. <laughs> uh, Penguin's sitting there in his cell. He's twiddling his, uh, his flippers. Yep. Humming to himself. We don't like Flipper Penguin. We, do, we don't. I, I Listen, I'm cool with Flipper's Penguin if it's DeVito. Yeah. And you're like, oh, the Penguin's a fucking monster. Mm-hmm. Of course he has Flippers. I'm not cool with this interpretation where it's just like, yeah, he's the gentleman criminal, but he also has Flippers? Yeah. That's weird to me. Flipper Penguin, like, only makes sense when it's, yeah, when it's DeVito. I agree. Otherwise, yeah, he's a he's a short, fat, bald guy with a big nose. That's why he's called the Penguin. That's the whole joke. He doesn't need to be deformed. Yeah, he, he and he wears a tux. Right. Yeah. Well, he... he he leans into it. Yes, of you know, course he, he does. He leans so into it. You would too. Of course. Um, so when a guard comes to pick him up for his release, we get the sense that he's been there for a while. I actually thought, Mike, you could tell me if I'm out of hand here. I think he's been there for a couple of years. I think so. Yeah, I think the museum heist to now, it's been a couple of years. It has to be, right? Yeah, and he got arrested for attempted robbery. Um, so he's at the end of his sentence, and the penguin claims, never again, as he tears up the newspaper article, uh, which is now quite aged. Uh, intending that he will join the ranks or rejoin the ranks of high society rather than criminal society. I'll reclaim my perch in high society as an upstanding bird. The cream of society awaits. I almost wanted him to have be like, I'm going to get elected mayor. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, was, I, mean, I was hoping. They don't do that bit, right, uh, in the in the show. They should. It's um, a good bit. And there's that's a funny thing about Penguin too is that allegedly in his backstory he comes from high society. Yeah, he's he's wealthy. Right. So that is his the background of the penguin is that he is an upper crusty guy. Yeah. Um Well, I don't know if the Colin Farrell one's like that. Hey, are you doing a bad No, Oz. Yeah. <laughs> no, he's he's low down. Um Got you, I got you. <laughs> the penguin is leaving jail. Uh, he expects a limousine is waiting for him, but we cut to outside Stonegate and no such luck. There's nobody waiting for him. The guards mock him that maybe the cream of society's curdled, huh? Yeah, got a laugh from me. The out-of-town bus arrives, loaded with anything but Gotham's high society. It's basically a bunch of drug addicts. And the Penguin glumly takes his place among the rabble. Um, I shouldn't call them drug addicts. There's like a couple of normal people on the bus, too. But there's a couple of people where you're like, you don't want to sit with them on the bus is the point. Yeah, I mean, they're very much 80s, like... Uh, goon They're villains. the gutter punks. Yeah, the punk right? villains. Yeah. yeah, like the guys you'd fight in like every Ninja Turtles game. That's right. That aren't the Foot Clan because the Foot Clan's usually there. Not too. the Foot. Not no, the Foot. Not the Foot. Foot stinks. The Foot stinks. Is what is what is said on the side of the party van. Right. Yeah. Cut to the Vreeland estate. We hear them before we see them. Two of the most obnoxious possible characters. I hate them. Veronica Vreeland and the fucking abominable Pierce. Chapman. Pierce is. Well, because he talks well, like this. Yeah, oh, that's mm. Locust Valley Lockjaw. Right. Well, he has the voice that Bruce sort of used to put on. Yeah, yeah. Right? We yeah. kind of got rid of that. They call that, for those of you... Locust Valley Lockjaw. Locust Valley Lock- right. Lockjaw. This voice is referred to as Locust so Valley Lockjaw. So, for those of you who don't know, this is a little inside baseball on the batman cast. Jordan and I went to a high school, our high, middle Very high school. Very near Locust Valley. Pretty much right next to Locust right. Valley. So, yeah. But we never encountered anyone that talked like that. I think that accent is now extinct. That's probably a couple people. Well, I can think of Alan Sappinsley from The Sopranos. Yeah. Uh, season four, I believe. And uh, Cameron puts on that voice to be Sloane's father. Yes. In Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I also think I don't know any real people I also with think that it's, voice. It's probably like a high society Connecticut. What's funny is that shows Well, you... actually, FDR a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Um, who was... FDR was New York. I don't know if he was He Long was Island. New York. Um, well, but Teddy's Long he... Island. Yeah, but Teddy didn't have that accent. Or well, we don't really uh, know. I, I I don't know we, how many he's rec- on recordings. Yeah, I know, but I don't listen to them. I don't know. He said bully a lot. Yeah, uh, he, was Robin, bully. he was Robin Williams. Yes. That's all I know. Yeah, well, that's all that matters. Canonically, Teddy is Robin Williams. <laughs> I love that. I love that they got Robin Williams to play Teddy Roosevelt. But I also love that he's not even president. Teddy, it's if that's Rough Rider. Yeah, Rough Rider Teddy. 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 Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like that's a very specific. Yeah, Teddy. very very one. Uh, not you know. But we I, like to have fun here at the Night of the yeah, Museum podcast. Yeah, exactly. Um, but I will say this: it does tell you, it does show you the gamut of what the Long Island accent can do, and how the North Shore and the South Shore are very different. Well, yeah, because the low class Long Island accent's basically the Brooklyn accent. Yeah, and they, it's, it's it's uh, the low. Yeah, it's and, Queens. Uh, and and then you go North Shore, and it, it kind of goes yeah, up here. So I'm I guess. Going on my yard. I don't, again, I don't really authentically know anyone talks like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but if you go all the way back down to the South Shore, you know they have that Queensy accent, and they they murder people and bury their bodies at Go Go Beach. Ah, uh, we are. We are in we, some time. We so we're about to make this a time capsule episode. We are neck they have deep. 
just caught the Gilgo Beach serial killer yeah. who killed at least 10 people. At least 10 people that they know of in in this right. area, but um, they're finding bodies other places. And your wife grew up on the same block as him. So Amanda, for those of you who have listened to the show, <laughs> uh, grew up on the same block where this guy has lived for years. Yeah. And her dad, Bill, who is the drummer of our band, Bad Mary, said to Amanda via text, yes, we definitely trick-or-treated at that house. You were dressed as Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz. Yeah, boy. So I'm like, oh. But if you look at this guy's house... Look at his house and it tell did, me a serial killer doesn't live like there. It like a serial killer Looks house. Looks like a serial killer house, dude. Or like really divorced dad. No. Oh, I think so. A little no. bit. No. There would be more Ikea furniture. We didn't see inside. Come on, dude. I saw the outside. That place doesn't have an Ikea furniture in it. Veronica Vreeland and Pierce Chapman <laughs> are the kind of rich people that like, I think Bruce Wayne like pretends to be, right? Just so that no one would ever think that Bruce Wayne yeah. is clever or capable or compassionate in any way. Veronica is a stunning red-haired cartoon woman <laughs> pouting that she has received only 24 <laughs> invitations this month. And oh. Pierce, who looks thoroughly inbred, chides her that she is slipping. He <laughs> suggests she throws a party of her own, but they can't figure out what would make it special. What were you about to say? I was like, you think he's got hemophilia? I don't know. Maybe. That's what all the... All the royals have that stuff because they're all so inbred. He's got something. Yeah, he's got... Uh, Pierce recollects when the Joker crashed Muffy Van Alten's last affair. I hate it. He robbed us blind, but what a giggle. <laughs> the Joker's yesterday's news, according to Veronica. Boy, oh, if he oh, heard her say that. This would be an all-Joker episode. Like, Joker's probably somewhere driving in a car that's somehow shaped like a cake. Right. He, heard, he felt it, and he went, what? Right. Yeah, Joker shows up the next day. The next day, <laughs> oh, my. I heard we're having a party. Um, <laughs> Looks like I'm old news, am I? Pierce happens to have a copy of the day's paper announcing the Penguin's release, and kind of suggests that to her. I love it. She smiles. We Joker cut. would be so offended. He'd be so offended. He would be wrong for this episode, though. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Because the point of the episode is that she ends up finding like the human piece yeah. of the Penguin. Yeah. And Joker, I think, doesn't have a human piece. No. Right, like the world assumes that Joker is like a homicidal madman, yeah, who would kill everybody if he could, and they're right, yeah. Like there's nothing yeah. more. Joker to that. will kill everyone. Yeah, we cut to the Penguin's place. He stands before the eagle-headed door knocker, expecting to find a welcome home party. When he steps inside, it's just his own bare furnishings, covered in tarps. He calls out for Two Face, Croc, Joker, old shoe. But there is only Batman. All right. I, I I don't mean to cut you off here. But please. You didn't have to cut me off. No, please. Go ahead. Why is Batman there? How long has Batman been there, dude? Is Batman like, he's getting out of jail today. I'm going to hang out at his house. All right. Here's my thing. <laughs> is this the Iceberg Lounge? No. It's no. I, this is Joker's. Joker's wealthy. Oh, sorry. Not Joker. Sorry. Penguin. Penguin, Penguin is wealthy. This is Penguin's like penthouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That um, obviously he did not lose ownership of when he went to jail yeah, for yeah, a few yeah, years. Yeah. So it's just been sitting. Batman, though we don't see it. We can make the assumption from what we've read in comics, from what we've seen on the show. Batman has rounds oh, yeah. that he does all night, every night. So if there's no active crime, he will just check hotspots and hideouts and old mm -hmm. lodgings. And he definitely wrote down for the night, okay, when you're in that part of town, Penguin's going to be back home. Make sure there's not, make sure there's not a reunion party for him. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, I do have to say this. We like Batman. He's the hero of the show. We do. We love Batman. Batman's annoying. He's a real dick in this episode. <laughs> yeah. He's a real dick in this episode. Um, so, adding insult to injury, the, you know, the fact that Penguin didn't have a reunion party is bad enough, and now Batman is there harassing them, reminding him to keep his beak clean. Oof. Frustrated, Penguin offers him some rat poison for cappuccino. And Batman swings away, and a depressed Penguin strolls back into his actually very nice apartment, collapses into a dusty chair, but just then, Mike, the phone rings. Bring, bring. It's Veronica Vreeland. Yes, THE Veronica Vreeland. What? As he asks. He's heard of her. Penguin's flattered, even more so when she says she's always wanted to meet THE Oswald Chesterfield Cobblepot. Nice. The OCC, we call him. Yeah, you, you know me. <laughs> she invites him to dinner at Angelo's the following hey, evening. Hey, bada boom. They do a darling calamari. Hey, he listen, accepts. listen, in, in our in our neck of the woods, that's called galamari. Galama. Hey, get a little galama. Sometimes you get really lucky they add the D at the end. 
Yeah, a little Galamad. Galamad. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's that's it. Ta- Let me tell you something. If you're eating at a restaurant on Long Island and they say Galamad, it tastes better. Yep. Of that's, course that's they do. That's the law. The yeah. food tastes better. Yeah, of course. If they're saying Mari- if they say calamari, don't order it. Leave. Leave. Leave, Leave. the restaurant. Yeah, that squid's that squid is not good. That squid is not new squid. That's it. Uh, he accepts the invitation. We cut to Veronica and Pierce laughing it up. Laugh it up, fuzzball. We cut to Angelo's and the horrified guests glaring at the penguin who is sitting with Veronica. He laughs loudly and grotesquely, finishing up what was probably a very inappropriate story while eating sardines by hand. He says something like, Ah, oh, and I said, but warden, these aren't even my pants. <laughs> Veronica tries to remain composed, but even she looks really turned off by her own plan here. We get other patrons arriving and then voluntarily leaving when they see who is sitting at the table. And after sucking his flippers clean, ugh, ugh. the penguin gets down to business. Can I mean, he's no fucking sucker. He wants to know why Veronica invited him Yeah, he's, he's a bright guy. Yeah. Unfortunately, she doesn't tell him her true intentions. Rather, she doubles down on her ruse, claiming she is captivated by his rapacious wit and fine Roman nose. I don't think that's a Roman nose. It is definitely not a it's Roman nose. It's not a Roman nose. Roman noses are very short. Uh, I was very like... Like on the coin. Yeah. Yeah, they're like very... Caesar. Straight. Yeah. Yeah. Very straight. He's got like a... I don't know what that is. He's got a beak. He's got a beak, dude. He's got a beak. He is, of course, completely in her thrall and uh, very much playing the role of the gentleman. Let us fly, my dove. This is very... Mike totally hit, hit the nail on the head. Totally yeah. reminiscent of Matt as a yeah, Hatter yeah, with yeah. Jervis trying to take Alice out for Come a night on the fly town. fly with me. Yeah. Uh, he calls for the check. The manager would rather he just left <laughs> immediately. He doesn't have to pay. Just please leave. Yeah. <laughs> please just, leave. Just leave. Um, and, you know, just putting a, a pin in this for a second. I actually thought... If Veronica had a little bit more chutzpah in this scene, I think she probably could have gotten away with just telling him yeah. why she invited him. Yeah. Hey, I'm, you know, on the outs socially. I think you'd be a lot of fun to have at a party. I think he might go for it. Oh, he might be like, oh, great. I'll be the guest of honor. This he, is awesome. Yeah, he might have gone for it. But unfortunately, she continues to deceive him and very specifically deceiving you him. You turn her against me. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> Deceiving him in a romantic way. Um, God, please don't ever reference that movie again. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what you get for trying to take a drink. Yeah. Um, three street thugs are lurking nearby as Veronica invites the penguin to her party, an intimate gathering of a hundred or so. Yeah. The lead thug accosts them. All right, fatso, you know the drill. Don't you know who I am? Not with that ugly mask you're wearing. Uh, oh, man, fucking sick burn. Imagine with the juggernaut. Yeah. Now, this exact same thing happened in Madison Hatter, by yeah. the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the penguin then go- undergoes the process, and this is like, you have to remember the guy's really dangerous. He completely takes these guys apart yeah. with an umbrella without shooting them. Mm-hmm. So he could, he could really fight. He's really dangerous. Now, of course, we don't actually get to see the resolution of that because Batman interferes. He The, the first thing he does is he lassos Penguin. And yeah. then dispatches the thugs himself. So clearly Batman wasn't watching for too long. So he confronts the penguin. He says, I knew you couldn't stay clean for more than one day. And Veronica is outraged. She defends him. She helps him up to his feet uh, and explains to Batman, like, you know, we were accosted. He was helping me. Uh, and then Penguin drops the line, so long as you weren't bruised, my peach. To which Batman says... Peaches, 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 peaches. It's hilarious. I laughed out loud. Yeah, the peach line was great. Batman was so incensed. Batman is so flummoxed. He has no idea what to do. He's like, what? We cut to another museum. Wait, you think? Hold on a second. Yeah. I don't mean to interject here. Interjection. Think about this. We talked earlier in the episode that like Batman and Veronica, like, or Bruce Wayne and Veronica have never really had like a romantic thing. Yet. Yeah. In the show yet. You think maybe that reaction that Batman's giving isn't Batman, but it's Bruce? Peach. Who's just like, this guy? Really? <laughs> right. I'm almost Bruce like, Wayne. Almost like, I've been hitting this girl up for years. Yeah, exactly. He's like, I got nothing. No play at all. Yeah. I think that's it. I think that's the reaction. <laughs> Peach. Peach. You're so cool. But also, it's just, it's that Kevin Conroy gruff Batman voice saying the word Peach with Peach. incredulity. We cut to another museum. Perhaps it's the same museum from the first scene. Veronica and Pierce are talking about the mugging. He fenced with an umbrella. How droll. 
Pierce is sure that the penguin will be a hit at Veronica's party. Still, and this is the beginning of the turn for Veronica, Veronica is touched that he fought for her, though she is worried that he wants to see her again. Bruce Wayne drops in on the conversation. When he discovers what Pierce and Veronica are up to, he tells Veronica that she should think twice about it, because Bruce knows, as Batman knows, Penguin's really dangerous. Pierce drops the essential line of the episode, and I, Mike, I gotta tell you, I, I really thought a lot about this line sure. after he said yeah, it. Yeah, absolutely. Pierce drops the essential line of the episode when he tells Bruce Wayne not to worry about it. Oh, lighten up, Wayne. After all, he is N-O-K-D. Not of our kind, dear. Or rather, not our kind, dear. Oof. I say the essential line of the episode because it is, despite the fact that it's a kind of a silly line on a children's show, uh... That is 100% how they feel about everybody else. Yep. Um, and that's not me being like, I hate all billionaires no, or no, I hate no. all rich people. But in my many encounters with the super wealthy, right? Obviously, I'm not a member of the super wealthy. But when I do encounter them, um, that is the attitude that basically they can do whatever they want to you and not care about your feelings because to them, you're some other species, basically. Uh, not our kind dear N-O-K-D basically says well who really cares what happens to him he's not one of us yeah right so his feelings don't matter his personhood doesn't matter you can totally dehumanize him it doesn't matter he's a party favor for us yeah well that's exactly it that's the thing he's a he's he was hired as entertainment right he might as well be the party without knowing unknowingly he's a clown yeah which by the way Pierce if if you really want a party clown I know a good number for you and good luck Joker would kill Pierce. Oh, yeah. So... Joker would kill Pierce and wear his face. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He would kill Pierce so spectacularly. Yeah. Like, I almost want to see that episode. So there is a little bit of living vicariously through these characters in several episodes. And I, I think this is Bruce Tim, And I think this is... I'm all on board with this, with Tim and Deanie, what they do here. There is a little bit of revenge against the rich yeah. that happens in multiple episodes yeah. i mean it goes all the way back to like you know be a clown and like all those episodes too where it's just like yeah it's almost like the people making the show are like yeah we fucking hate the rich people too yeah and this is what we think they think of us and also batman is weird because he's like on the inside and he's also dismantling it from the inside right. he's as also well. sort of judgment of the wealthy because yeah. he represents what wealth should really be doing yeah right he's he's good wealth yeah he runs a compassionate entrepreneurial business that is very yeah. charity based the wayne foundation is like if a business could be good yeah. quote unquote yeah. and not just interested in profits and wayne himself has devoted his entire life to fighting crime and he cares, so. cares about the city right and it's people right so he kind of shows you like what a billionaire could be well you see thomas wayne used to take the train every day with the regular people. <laughs> oh no yeah well until uh until liam neeson put a put a vaporizer on it uh, well listen yeah he's got a very particular set of skills yes, exactly and one of them is coming back to life they call um, me rasagul we get an establishing <laughs> shot of the gotham opera i pagliacci is playing uh complete with the image of the black and white clown from the episode's title card yeah. above the marquee Inside, Pagliacci is singing a song that even musical idiot Jordan Hugh recognizes because uh, it's like one of the most famous songs. You're not a musical song. idiot. Well, it's one of the most famous songs from opera. Yes, of So course. like every human being has heard this at some point. Opera, Opera's tough. Yeah. Not everyone. I mean, I think I'm pretty well versed in music. Opera's a kind of a blind spot for me. I think for a lot of people, I think because um, it's often in another language. So there's that yep. barrier first. Yep. And then uh, well, I experience the same thing when I'm doing Shakespeare and people don't want to see it. It's just like, oh, that's really old. It's kind of prohibitive. Right. Opera as a form. Right. You know what I mean? And I like a good Shakespeare, but, you know, yeah. I don't always understand what's going on. No, I, I feel, I, honestly, yeah. I feel the same way even in other Shakespeare plays yeah, yeah, that yeah. I haven't studied them. Yeah, like, yeah, I don't know what's going on. Um, so, yes, Pagliacci is singing on stage and his costume is not entirely dissimilar to the Penguin's. Nope. Um, in the balcony, the penguin himself is imitating the action. It's very funny. It is the funny. Penguin is singing along in the worst possible singing voice. He's got like he's warbling basically. Veronica is literally face palming, embarrassed, but she looks over at him, and she has to kind of put on a brave face. And he's looking over at her, totally dreamily, kissing her hand, holding her hand. From elsewhere in the house, disgusting Pierce is spying on them with his binoculars, laughing, giggling. Bruce Wayne is also there with a date. Um, he's not happy. 
Because he's no. looking at them, he's looking at Pierce, and now he's like, okay, I got it. Yeah. I understand what's going on. I just want Batman to punch people. All right. I'm really getting close to Batman. Like, just like the first thing he does, Pierce opens his mouth and he breaks his jaw. It's <laughs> right. like the thing on, it's like that when uh, Death of Batman, uh, Death of Superman. Okay. Superman had died, they had the funeral, and they were trying to figure out who should lead the Justice League, and stupid idiot Guy Gardner goes, I should lead the Justice League, and Whack. then Batman punches him <laughs> in the face. Guy Gardner, who is now Nathan Fillion. Nathan Fillion. Pretty good. Best possible casting. Pretty good. We cut to Veronica's mansion again as the cars are pulling up. This is the night of the party, finally. Uh, inside the lavish affair, the Penguin is doing exactly what Veronica and Pierce hoped that he would do. He's chatting with, I think, the president of Gotham First Federal, a place he's robbed before. So he's insulting the security system, and then he goes on to insult another woman's dress. We get the sense that he's just wreaking utter havoc at the party as he turns to go for Mayor Hill. Hey, Hammy! Love it. Off to the side, Pierce is giddy. He's beautiful. But Veronica finally has a bad feeling about this. Her oh, conscience okay. has gotten That's the better nice. of her. That's nice. And then we're, we're well into the party when Penguin goes out onto the balcony, like through the um, sort of the, the glass doors, mm-hmm. uh, to examine a bit of jewelry. And Bruce Wayne is just as suspicious as Batman. Bruce Wayne comes out there, follows him outside with the most accusatory tone that sounded just like Batman. I was like, dude, I think you just got caught. Yeah. Uh, admiring the Vreeland jewelry? Actually, I was hoping to add this to her collection. Uh, it's very sweet. Yeah, it's a really nice <laughs> uh, thing. It's a golden penguin brooch with diamond eyes. And listeners, I know this is ridiculous to say, but if she actually cared about the penguin, uh, which he believes that she he, she does, uh, this actually would have been an, a nice gift. It's a really it's nice gesture. very cute. Yeah. Um, Bruce looks genuinely contrite. Yeah. Maybe the rumors of your reform were not exaggerated. Anything is possible when love is involved, is what Penguin says. And this is the moment where you're like, I feel fucking bad for this guy. Well, yeah, and if things go differently in this episode, Penguin's not getting arrested again. Right. Unfortunately, uh, people are shitty. Yep. Penguin re-enters the party, and this is the moment. He overhears Pierce referencing the plan with Veronica, and also he hears the way that he is described. Yeah. Um, physically. Yeah. Uh, which is very insulting. Yeah. And how he would never be invited to a party like this. Um, I'm going to give Oswald some credit here. Uh, the Penguin wastes zero seconds on sentiment. There is no scene where he has a moment of deep sadness. Nope. He doesn't have a monologue. No. Nope. He just kind of hears it and he's like, okay, no, nope, I got it. That's it. It's fucked. Um, this, is, this is what you ordered and this is what you get. Right. So he bursts right in. Did she mention my fine Roman nose? He gasses them both and kidnaps Veronica, and her scream alerts the other guests. And uh, you're just putting a pin in that for a second. Uh, This is is why you do not fuck with the penguin. No. Um, Again, you can think that for a moment that he is sort of a, and I say this with respect to these other characters, you can think for a second that he is kind of a chump villain, Mm -hmm. like Mad Hatter and Scarecrow, who I adore, and they have schemes that are totally deadly and brilliant. You call them chumps. Well, I love those characters. (laughs) But. Penguin is more dangerous than those two. Way more dangerous. Um, Penguin and he's, is... And he's more lethal on his own. Penguin is a, what... In terms of Batman villains, top three, top four villain. I agree. And you said this earlier in the show, he's often underestimated, yep. but uh, in the best Penguin stories, and people that are real Batman fans, I think, know this, he's actually one of the worst to deal with. Yeah. Um, he's taken a backseat in recent years. They've kind of made him like a middleman character just because he runs the Iceberg Lounge and he's more like crime bossy than doing things directly himself. But when he does things directly himself, he's really fucking tough to deal with. Yeah. And this episode really gives him his due yeah. as being like, oh no, Penguin will kill you. Uh, really just underlines that. He's a um, nasty little animal. Yeah. That's really what he is. Yeah. Uh, Bruce Wayne to the rescue, but it's, it's like, too late. It's like he'll bite your nose off. <laughs> we will talk about that. Well, actually, we could just branch off here. I think that is where Pierce and Veronica come from. Yeah. I think they are meant to almost be shadows of or parallel to those two interns that Max Schreck hires in Batman Returns to try to make Penguin a little bit more high society. Because they they actually even kind of look like Veronica and Pierce. And what does he do? He bites the guy's nose off in that film. Thanks, McDonald's, for the sponsorship. No problem. Um, great Bruce, toys. Great toys. Bruce Wayne to the rescue. It's too late. Pierce collapses in his arms. He took her. <laughs> Bruce rushes out to the balcony in just enough time to see Penguin using his helicopter umbrella to get away with Veronica. 
And then we cut to Gordon's office. Um, We do a big time jump. 24 hours have passed since the kidnapping, and Pierce is giving him a hard time. It's times like these I wonder why we even pay you people. Oh, why are you saying that to Gordon? The classic rich person thing to say to the cops. Gordon is an inch away from ending this guy's life. Yeah, Gordon fucking snaps on him. Listen to me, you simpering little twit. Which is a great... (laughs) You were foolish enough to invite the penguin. Now it's his party. I want to tell you this much. (laughs) All right. If this was a rated R movie, there'd be some choice words. <laughs> I know exactly the words he would use. Especially if we're talking about Harley Quinn cartoon Jim Gordon. Right, or even, or even Jeffrey Wright. Yeah, oh, Jeffrey Wright would have been great. <sighs> Jeff, but Jeffrey Wright would first be very tired. Yeah. Oh, they fucking did what? Oh, come on, man. Come on. Can't you, be inviting the penguin to a party. What the, the fuck are you people you? doing? <laughs> <laughs> I love Jeffrey Wright, Commissioner Gordon. He's so good. <laughs> Jeffrey Wright is... Listen, I know he's just done the one movie. I think he's my favorite Gordon. <laughs> I just like he's Jeffrey really Wright good. because he's just so exhausted and so annoyed and so just yes. over it. I understand that animated series Gordon, Bob Hastings Gordon, is the classic. Great. And Gary Oldman's basically doing that. Yeah. That's awesome. I guess that is still number one, but I fucking love Jeffrey Wright Gordon because I know that cop. Yeah. I know that cop's yeah. just like, I can't fucking believe I still have to do this, <laughs> you know? I can't believe it's, I'm in charge. Yeah, you know? yeah, I'm in charge of this city. And when you have this 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 guy, just like, this kind of guy who's kind this guy is, is, is being condescending to the commissioner of police. I know. This guy has a death wish, dude. <laughs> he do you well, want to die? Pierce thoroughly sucks. Yeah. He is the worst character. Why do we um, even play you, people? First of all, you don't pay them. The taxes do. I don't even think Pierce pays taxes. He Probably does that not. same fucking shit they all do. He ships his money overseas. Yeah. He's got a, got a bank account in uh, yeah, Sweden some island. and a bank account in right. some Caribbean island. Batman's eavesdropping outside the window. Suddenly, a hummingbird drone crashes through. Its beak sticks in Gordon's office wall, bearing a scroll. It's the ransom note. Guy likes a hummingbird. He likes a hummingbird. The penguin wants a million in cash from her trust. Her meaning Veronica Vreeland. Easily done, claims Pierce, just nonplussed. Uh, Then Gordon delivers the catch. The penguin wants Pierce to make the drop personally. Yeah, see, see this. The penguin's good, man. The penguin's good. good. Pierce, uh, we we cut to this drop drop happening. The drop. We cut to the drop. All right. If Batman liked Pierce more, yeah, and didn't think he was a total piece of garbage, he probably would have walked into the window and been like, "All right, I'll watch from afar." Right. Or I'll be Pierce. Yeah. Or I'll yeah. be Pierce. I'll yeah. I'll do. You think he's got a Pierce costume? I'm sure. Yeah, he's he gonna do anything. He's Batman. <laughs> he, he addresses Gaff Morgan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Pierce nervously walks through. I have to believe Penguin did this on purpose. It's the seediest, shittiest part yeah. of town. Yeah. Like, Penguin could have put him anywhere because Penguin controls the sewers, yeah. I guess, at least yeah. in part. But he's like, nah, put him through the ghetto. Yeah. Um, in the ghetto. I did catch the name Power on the street sign, I which would too. reference this episode's director. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pierce makes it to the corner of Barr and Engelhart. I'm not sure if those are references to people that work on the show. They probably, probably. are. Or old creators or something right. like that. Uh, while Gordon and an officer watch from a police blimp overhead. I guess we're not done with the blimps. Blimps are back, baby. He radios several other men who are staked around the square. Uh, Batman is right there, too, in the shadows, and a nearby phone booth starts ringing. We like phone booths on this, on this show. Uh, the Penguin is on the line, and uh, Pierce tells him, well, he'll drop the cash, and Penguin can pick him up at his convenience. Not so fast. (laughs) Penguin has further instructions delivered in a perfect circular comic book panel, like on the screen. Like you just see a circle with the penguin's face in it. Yeah. Uh, Pierce does as he's told. He takes a step out of the booth, turning left and walking straight, and it drops him right down a manhole cover. I like it. Right onto the penguin's big rubber duck. Not seen since Batman Returns. I'm happy it's back. Yeah. It is cool. Tell me, what is the function of a rubber duck? I, I don't know. I don't know. What is that from? What is that? Harry Potter. That's Harry Potter. Oh, is that Mr. Weasley? Yeah, Arthur Weasley as Harry Potter. Damn. Or maybe he might um, say, what is the purpose or what po- is the use of a rubber my duck? My Potter game is off. That's fine. I'm sorry. You've The <laughs> rubber duck is swept down the river of sewage, uh, and above the cops are shining their flashlights, and they radio Gordon that they've lost Pierce in the sewers, and Batman flies off. And this is the most Batman returnsy we've ever gotten from the Penguin, that they would bring back the rubber duck and do a sewer bit which is not something Penguin is really known for in the comics. I did miss the Penguins with the rocket launchers. I wish we had that. Yeah. However, we did, and almost got him, we did get our share of weaponized birds. Yeah, I was expecting more weaponized birds. 
we need at least 35, would we say? Modestly, 35% more weaponized birds? I would from say Penguin. 35% is a good right. number. Yeah. yeah, Reasonable. I mean, he's used a weaponized bird in every other episode he's been in. We technically have the hummingbird drone here. It's a robot bird. What if that had hit someone? They would be in trouble. They'd be dead. Yeah. He used real hummingbirds and almost got them. Well, he's out of real hummingbirds. He just got out. Give well, the all, man a break. To be fair, all his real hummingbirds got messed up when Batman dumped all that water on him. Batman killed those birds. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he stabbed the, he stabbed the cassowary with one. <laughs> he killed the cassowary. Yeah, he killed that cassowary. <laughs> That's one of the rarest birds on the planet. Apparently. It's yeah. very real. Batman hates endangered species. He does. Batman hates endangered species. You heard it here first. That's right. In the sewers, the boat comes to rest in an alcove where there's a lit candelabra. Very big Phantom of the Opera vibes here. Definitely mm-hmm. intentional. Penguin's voice leads him along to a platform that shackles his ankles and raises him up all the way to the stage of what indeed appears to be the Gotham Opera once again, the place where we just saw Pagliacci. Veronica is revealed. She's trussed up in the heights. Uh, she's trussed up to the huge gold chandelier. Uh, Penguin grabs the cash that Pierce has delivered, and Veronica promises him... More, more money. And Penguin angrily tells her that all he wanted was a little friendship. Yeah. Which would have cost her nothing. But now she will pay. With her life. Yes. Penguin discovers a bat tracer in the cache, which calls for an immediate acceleration of his plans because he knows Batman is coming. And of course, Batman arrives just as the Penguin is about to cut the chandelier cord, bringing it full circle with the chandelier from the beginning of the episode. A batarang stays his sword. There is a brief chase in which Batman pursues the Penguin, who first uses his helicopter umbrella and then one of the operas sort of rigged up. It's like a flying dragon, which he's equipped with a flamethrower. I imagine that's probably from, like, the ring cycle. Yes. Wagner's ring cycle. Right. There's probably a dragon in that somewhere. Right. Um, Penguin dons, like, a classic opera Viking cap, like the horned cap. (laughs) He attempts to burn Batman while also he just burns the entire theater. Yeah. Yeah, it just torches the thing. <gasps> Who says opera has to be boring? The fire grows and burns the chandelier rope, and it falls and Veronica screams. But Batman manages to grab the rope, wrap it around a beam before it drops. It would have killed both Veronica and Pierce instantly. Yeah. Which probably would have been all right. And then things wrap up very quickly. One death throw of a batarang is enough to sever the rigging of the flying dragon, which drops Penguin through the curtain with his flippers tearing the way down to the stage floor. The curtains collapse on him, and he is trapped, uh, just like he was with the chandelier earlier in the episode. He's throwing a tantrum, familiar tantrum. No, 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 no. We cut to the theater later. It's our final scene. Fire departments arrive. The cops arrive. The police are escorting Penguin out in handcuffs. And then we have this really sweet moment that is um, kind of the perfect moment of the episode. Veronica has this oddly genuine moment where she tells Oswald that she really was growing fond of him and means it. Uh, yeah. There's no ulterior motive. She yeah. really is saying, no, I, I really liked you. But he isn't having it. I suppose it's true what they say. Society is to blame. High society. Batman stares down from the balcony and narrows his eyes. And that's that's the episode. I feel like this Mike, is... What, oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry. Yeah, I feel like this is almost like an origin story for the next leg of how the Penguin will handle his business. Right. Because he's, he's done with high society. Yeah, he's not going to go back to them again. No, he's he's now, I'm going to be a criminal now. Yeah. I'm going to be a criminal, and I'm going to start up a criminal empire, and I'm just going to do criminal things. Yeah. He might have had that revelation earlier in his career, and then just after failing so many times, just yeah. thought like, okay, forget it. I'm just going to go back to high society. But now he yeah. realizes basically he can't go back. No, he can't. He's not he's not he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to. That's not where he is. That's not who he is. And he's a criminal. Yeah. A Birdman criminal. Uh, any other closing thoughts? Um, I really do think this episode's pretty good. It is good. I really liked it. I, I enjoyed this episode. I thought the Penguin was excellent in it. I, I thought it was a really nice introduction. True introduction to the Penguin as a character where he's not this buffoonish Saturday morning goofball. Yeah, I agree. Um, I said it was an excellent episode. It's got real emotional stakes. Mm-hmm. It does not have a happy ending. No, um, no. We get this instead really kind of complex, resonant, uncomfortable moment that yeah. the yeah. episode ends with. Yeah. This is not like a hilarious, like, ah, oh, they wrapped up the bird man in a straitjacket and they're taking yeah. him away. Cuckoo, cuckoo. This yeah. is, um, no, he has this awkward moment with this woman who tries to tell him like, I know I, I liked you. And he's like, well, too fucking late lady. And that's the episode. That's yeah, how that's, the episode ends. Kind of like, that's what you get for being a jerk. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so I, I liked it. Um, yeah. I mean, she has to live with that on her conscience. Yeah. Ranking in the series, top third. It's better than most episodes. I think so. Pretty good. And I didn't think we were going to get there with a Penguin episode. Nope. 
but this one is pretty good. Yeah. I would actually wager to say, and I'm trying to think ahead, but I think it's true. I think this is the best Penguin episode. I would say so. I don't think it gets better than this for yeah. him. I mean, obviously, Almost Got Him is... Oh, so yeah. Uh, if we're counting that even as kind of a Penguin yeah, episode, yeah, yeah. obviously Almost Got Him is tops. Yes, obviously. But this is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, the best Penguin... Penguin-centric centric episode, episode, yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Well, next time, Mike will be taking us through a, I would call it a fan favorite episode because yeah. all the Riddler episodes are fan favorite episodes. Yeah. Um, next week, Mike is going to do What is Reality? What is Reality? What is Reality? I don't know. I don't know. It's For- Oppenheimer and Barbie together. That's, that seems to be it. That is reality. That is the world we live in. Hey, thank you for joining us. This was the batman Tasticast For Mike Staub, I'm Jordan Hugh. Thank you and see you next time. Same bat time, same bat channel. And thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Batman Tasticast. If you want to continue to support the show, you can give us a like, subscribe to us on the podcatcher of your choosing, or leave some comments and give us one of those five-star reviews. That helps the show be that much more visible. If you want to keep in touch with Jordan and I or the show, you can find us at Batman Tasticast all over the internet, and you can also reach out to us directly. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you next time.